Hi there, and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis, and I'll be your host for this evening. Uh, this evening, we're going to be doing something from E3, Echo 3, Scheduled Production Season Activities. Um, we're going to be going over our April and May tasks. Um, we went over them before. However, um, because our... Uh, Temperatures and, and environment really hasn't uh, worked with us. Um, we're going to go over it again and I'm going to talk a little bit about how <laughs> how things have to be modified in order for us to make this work for um, the bees and us. So um, I'll go into that after I get done with uh, the stuff that we do at the beginning. Um, I'd like you to come visit me at odyssey.com at friends of brother Adam um, our, our lbry.tv is being discontinued. They are changing it over to Odyssey. Um, it's a good place to come and visit me uh, mostly because you can support us by watching. Um, we get a little micro coin every time you watch it and then you get a coin for watching it a micro coin for watching it um, and then on top of that you can within the library platform which is now odyssey you can send a coin uh, a library coin tip um, so you're able to send a little something something our way to help us support us you can also find us on anchor um, you can get that on the App Store or go to anchor.fm and um, check us up at Friends of Brother Adam again. Um, also, you can find us on Podbeam. It's uh, not that wonderful. I'm, I'm finding it a little more difficult dealing with Podbean. But uh, yeah, that's where we are. Um, you can find us there at Podbean as well. Um, again, if you are finding that you are uh, getting some value from our podcast here and from the uh, production beekeeping course that I'm putting on, um, please make sure that you support us. You can send us library coin through Odyssey. Um, also up on the splash screen of this podcast, you'll notice there is a little square QR code or a barcode thing. And it is for Bitcoin. So if you have a, a wallet and you have some Bitcoin in your wallet, you can scan it and send us a little portion of your Bitcoin and we'd really appreciate it. I am saving up for a video editing computer, a big, huge gaming computer. I don't game, so what I'll be doing with it is I'll be using it for my OBS and, and for the video editing software and I need a huge big video card in order to make it all work so I need to buy a new one so if you can help me out with that I'd really appreciate that and we'll head on over to our scheduled production seasonal activities like I was saying before um, April has really sucked <laughs> I mean we've had really good weather um, all together when you look at it but um, our bees have had to go back into cluster several times. We have not had warm overnight temperatures. All throughout April, we've had temperatures below zero. 
at nighttime. And I think there's only been one, one or two nights where it's actually gotten above zero. And because of that, we're not able to uh, feed on top of the hives um, the normal way by, by having a bucket that drips and that the bees uh, stick their proboscis in and, and suck out the, the nectar from the bucket. Um, because um, we can't do that until we hit plus 10 at night. Because if you leave a bucket on there and it's below zero, then the, the liquid that drips out of there drips out of there and onto the brood nest and that usually kills brood. They don't wanna uh, eat liquid that's freezing because it uh, makes it so that they start freezing themselves. They're cold-blooded insects. And so if they get cold because of what they eat, they end up uh, stopping moving until they get warm again or they end up dying. So that's what we don't want happening. So we, uh, we feed utilizing the camp method during this period of time. And what that is, is we put a newspaper on the top bars of the hive. And then we put on top of that newspaper a whole bunch of sugar crystals. And then we spray it with water or we put some honeybee healthy on it to make it all nummy for the bees to, to go up and eat. And uh, on the beehive that I have at my house, that my friend had me weather over at my house um so i'm now calling it my hive <laughs> um on that particular hive i had to put um sugar on there because i opened up the hive on the very first few days of uh, uh warm weather and um i noticed that they were quickly running out of honey so i figured if i put the sugar up there using the camp method then we would be able to stretch it out a little bit longer until the days got warmer well i just opened it up several days ago and i had to put a new newspaper on top and more sugar and more honeybee healthy on there so that the the bees can snack on that because I don't expect the day or the nighttime temperatures to start creeping up until well May <laughs> so we're essentially one month behind we should have started getting really warm during April and uh, we did not and uh, we shouldn't have had the uh, snowstorms that we had but Honestly, up here um, in this area, we usually have snowstorms, and then the next day it melts off and nothing. So, but uh, we've had several days where the snow stick, stuck around. It was cold enough for that, so the bees had to go back into their cluster, and yeah. And they have to protect while they're in cluster. They have to protect all the brood that they did make up to that point. So, yeah, it's it's a whole lot of difficult stuff going on. Anyway, so let's go back through this and, and talk about this again. We need to do inspections during this time and verify our losses. Um, so we're going through inspecting and, and while we're inspecting, we're also doing several other things. We're cleaning out all the dead bees on the bottom of the, the hive. A lot of times what I'll do is my winter bottom, I'll flip it over so that um, even, even like the dead bees that are kind of glued to the board, are on the outside, not on the inside. So I do that and then I usually go through and I check for 
queens. If I see the queen running around on the frame, then I quickly put the frame back and say, good, we've got a queen. Um, I also check to see if we have uh, eggs, three-day-old larvae, and closed brood um, so that I know that all types of uh, brood are on the frames. And that tells me that the queen is doing what she's doing. We will be um, planning on what we're going to be doing as far as getting uh, these little creatures ready for the first flow. So in my next uh, um, podcast, I'm hoping to put out a podcast on uh, recipes. So get out your recipe cards for the next podcast. We're going to be writing down some of the ways that we can feed these bees, both in uh, artificial pollen and nectar and a few other things. Um, so it's, it's a good idea to, to write these things down. You are going to be, during this time, applying for crop insurance and doing your beekeeper registration form. Um, and you do your beekeeper registration form after you've done your losses, after you have equalized, made splits, or no, after you have equalized, and after you have either um, had to recombine hives, so if you have a really weak hive and you have a strong hive, what you do is you put down a newspaper on top of the strong hive and then you put down a queen excluder and then on top of that you put the, the one box from the weaker hive. And then you put your lid on top and, and wrap it back up. Um, and what that does is it allows for the bees to be um, um, sharing the heat and, uh, and eventually the bees will eat through the paper and then they'll start coming up into the other colony and it'll give them time so that the other colony starts smelling the other queen. And the queen will stay, both queens will stay away from each other. And uh, you'll have bees that are sharing both boxes. And so they'll share bee power, they'll share heat, and hopefully you'll be able to return that, that hive to strength, but you can't count on it. So when you are making your, your verifying your losses, if you have to recombine two hives, that becomes one hive. And as far as the uh, department of making you sad is concerned, that's one hive now. If you end up splitting it later again, and it you know gets back to the point where it's now able to be split, then that would be considered a split. That's not uh, a good hive going on top of a good hive and being counted as two hives. That's only one hive because it's a not good hive that's going to die without any help and a good hive. And so the good hive shares some of its strength. <clears throat> You're going to be uh, getting your feed um, your sugar and your patties and your medication ready. During this time you can medicate in the spring for mites um, but you need to medicate for spring before the flows start coming in because the bees will take that medication and put it in with the honey that you're making and, and selling so that's not what you want to do. Um, so you need to go in 
and um, put in your mite treatments. You need to go to Costco. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a hobby beekeeper, go to Costco, get the biggest bag of sugar that they have, get five or six bags of sugar over a month or so and stack it up because you never know what's going to be happening with your sugar supply and you want to be able to have enough to make it through the spring. You'll want to do that with your pollen is, uh, protein that you're going to be feeding them as well. Whatever, uh, either you have uh, pollen patties that you buy from the store or pollen patties and grease patties that you make at home. Um, you need to be able to um, install any packages that come in. So, okay, so once you've done the all the losses and all the combination, uh, com recombinings and going down, go through, count your hives, um, and then go do your beekeeper registration. Um, and, and this is a very sore spot with me because I understand what's happening here. <laughs> Your beekeeper registration has become more onerous and, and more detailed and they're trying to find out stuff. And the reason why they're trying to find out all this stuff is so that they make sure they get their taxes out of the people who are making money. So the, the beekeepers that sold you their nukes, they're asking now for the names of the beekeepers that sold you nukes. They're asking for people that sold you queens. They're asking for people that sold you packages. And they're asking if you bought any used equipment or were given any used equipment, their names and everything. So essentially what they're doing is they're making sure that nobody's making money unless they're being taxed. And what's going to happen here within the next two to three years is the Department of Making You Sad Alberta is going to be starting to charge you a fee to beekeep. Um, this has happened throughout all the regulated uh, professions. Um, and this is one of the things that really pisses me off about beekeeping because beekeeping is used in the third world countries to lift, lift people up by the bootstraps and allow them to make money in order to get ahead in life. Beekeeping is just one of those things that people can do. They're utilizing insects, and those insects don't even have to live on their land. And so what uh, the Department of Making You Sad Alberta is going to be doing is they're going to be um, putting a registration tax on beekeeping. So it'll start out as like a $50 registration, and within five or six years after they get the registration in, it'll be a $500 fee. And essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to price all the smaller companies out. The bigger companies, $500, meh, they just pay it and, and drive on. It, it keeps the competition away because, um, well, what ends up happening with the Department of Making You Sad is they enjoy creating monopolies, and the monopolies are between big businesses and governments, which we like to call fascism. Um, but uh, we are slowly marching towards fascism here. We're slowly um, making beekeeper registration more and more expensive. Um, there'll be taxes on this, that, and the other thing. And um, when people who make the, the nukes, when people who make the queens end up getting taxed by these people, 
the prices are going to increase and be passed on to the person buying these um, services and products and insects. So you better believe that those packages that now cost you $300 um, because of inflation um, very soon are going to cost you $500. And uh, the nukes and, and the, the 10 frame hives that are now costing you $350 to $500 are going to cost you $1,000. And essentially what they're going to do is they're going to price out the hobby beekeepers and make it so that you and I can't afford to beekeep. And this is one of those things that, um, one of the most simplest things that people can do in order to get themselves out of poverty. Oh, anyways, <laughs> pisses me off. So um, that's what you have to do. You have to fill out your, your beekeeper registration. And then after you fill out your beekeeper registration, you don't have to go back to them and say, yeah, I've now made seven splits and uh, you know, I'm going to put those splits into production and maybe get some honey out of them this year. No, you don't have to go back and, and re-register them. Where you will re-register is the next year, the ones that make it through the winter, that's the ones that you will call, uh, count. All right, you want to clean up any dead outs, watch for mold hazard, prevent robbing, scrape and sort and make up, uh, up new brood chambers. This is the time that you're going to be bringing your wax box or your boxes that have wax comb in them out of storage. You're going to be making sure that uh, you uh, dispose of the moth crystals if they haven't evaporated yet. And if they have evaporated, you're going to be taking that wax, uh, the, that box of frames, you're going to be setting it up on its side so that the wind is blowing through it. And you're going to have the wind blow through it. You're going to have the wind dissipate any leftover residue from those crystals, moth crystals. And you're going to be um, airing them out because those are the boxes that you're going to be using for brood boxes to extend the brood chamber. And you're going to be bringing out your uh, medium boxes as well that you're going to be using for honey boxes and you're going to be airing those ones out as well. Um, you'll want to go through and repair any equipment that you have to repair so that you can put it into service right away. Um, and that's part of the predicting and responding to flows by supering, splitting, etc. Um, you, you have to be ready to, to split. And you have to have the equipment to split because you never know when one of these hives is going to start throwing swarm cells and you have to have um, um, nukes enough for these bees to be split into. <clears throat> um, okay, you also have to think about applying for crop insurance. For us uh, hobby beekeepers, this really doesn't apply. There are several different kinds of, of uh, insurances that you can go for if you have over 100 hives here in Alberta. Um, if you have over 100 hives, you can apply for honey insurance. So essentially, if you make a certain amount of honey every year and you go in and apply for this insurance, you pay them a certain amount of money. And if you drop below your honey um, amount, 
then you can apply for insurance and they'll pay for about one third of the price of the replacement of whatever you didn't make. This is important because if you have a contract with BeMade or some other uh, company that you have to provide them every year with, let's say, 45 drums of honey and you have a shortfall and you're only able to make 20, then what'll happen is they will come back with this insurance money, they'll pay you one third, you have to pay the two thirds, plus you also have to pay the, the deductible. <laughs> and then um, they give you a certain amount of money, you combine it with whatever's left over, and you go out to another beekeeper and you purchase their drummed honey, and then you hand it to the people that you have the contract with, and that's a way of having insurance there to help you out with a little bit of that money. Um, you can also have uh, insurance on the bees making it through the winter, so wintering insurance, and you can also have um, um, insurance on all your, your equipment, your hive bodies, that kind of stuff, and another insurance that a lot of people have to get is fire insurance because you can start a fire very easily with your smoker and you can end up with several several hectares being burnt to the ground <laughs> all that forage gone all those fence posts and wires gone and you have to pay for it all so if you have insurance with several million liability then you're able to just go to the insurance company and say i oops you pay and they will go and take a look at it and then they'll pay it out um, but uh, don't expect to be able to get fire insurance the next year because they ain't going to be giving it to you. <laughs> All right. Um, we need to uh, do a whole lot of planning during this phase. So we're going to be planning on how we're going to be making our queens. We're going to be planning on, um, okay, so where do the queens go into which colonies? We're going to plan for queen cells. We're, you know, we're going to say, well, we're going to maybe have two different frames of queen cells per hive. And so you would, you would be able to make that many more splits. You're going to have to worry about whether or not you're going to purchase inseminated queens to help you make those splits. You're going to need to look at getting pheromone strips to keep the bees in place while the, um, while the, um, Queen cells are maturing and getting ready for the queens to hatch. Um, the pheromone strips kind of makes everybody calm and keeps them in the hive instead of having them abscond and leave the hive. Um, you're going to have to plan on... Um, when you will be feeding your bees. So as soon as it reaches plus 10, you're going to either in the hive feed your bees or you're going to put a bucket on top of the hive um, that, that slowly drips into the hive um, and have the bees harvest the nectar that way from the, from the bucket. Or another thing is you could do open feeding with the barrel and, and floaty things in the top of the barrel so the bees fly in, drink the nectar, fly back to the hive, and they'll drain the whole entire barrel sometimes in you know a week. Um, if your neighbors come over and, and uh, decide that they're going to help you drain your, your uh, outside feeding sugar barrel, <laughs> uh, 
um, your neighbor's bees will be over and you'll be feeding your neighbor's bees as well. <clears throat> All right. So when you go in and do your regular hive inspections, you'll need to be in there at least every two weeks so that you can catch when they're uh, putting up swarm cells. Um, but you're going to be checking for the queen. You're going to be checking to see if you have enough space in there for them to expand. You're going to be checking the stores. So you're looking for um, nectar and pollen um, being made into honey and bee bread. Um, you're going to be looking for any signs of disease. Um, you're going to be easing old frames to the edges so that they can be taken out for replacement. Any black uh, comb that you have needs to start edging out towards the exterior so that you can uh, take it out. Um, and then you need to super plenty of time before the flow starts. Um, and how you know that is the super when um, the bees are on 75% of frames in the one hive that they're in. Um, and you'll need to be able to take, if you are in an area with, that you have um, canola or rapeseed honey, you'll need to take it out as soon as it is dry enough to take out. Whether it's capped or not, you need to be taking that out. Um, and the reason is, is that stuff, as soon as it's ripe, as soon as it's done, then it starts crystallizing. And if you don't get it out of the hive before it starts crystallizing, it'll crystallize and then you'll end up having to um, destroy your wax on the frames because you'll have to scrape it all off. <laughs> so just so that you're aware, um, canola does that to your frames. Uh, you need to be doing weekly inspections uh, in the very first of May. Um, and you're going to be looking closely for queen cells and being aware that they can put those dang queen cells anywhere. You need to have, like we were saying before, your hive equipment ready uh, for um, doing mechanical swarms, doing walkaway splits, however you're doing your queens. You also have to have equipment ready for... Uh, swarming. So you need to have your swarm catchers up um, both around your property and then several kilometers away from your property just in case the bees get an itch to go out and do that. You need to be monitoring your varroa so you need to go in do your tests for varroa really early in the spring um, and get those mite strips in there if you have to. Another way that you get rid of mites. See, um, mites, you can't get rid of all the mites with just strips. If you're just doing strips and calling it good, what you're doing is you're causing your mites to become resistant to those strips um, because mites live through that experience and they gain a resistance to those strips. So you have to be doing several other things in order to get the mites out of the colony. One of the things is you need to go buy for every single one of your colonies a green frame that is a drone frame. The little cells on there are bigger than the other cells in the other frames. Um, and you get a, a green plastic frame and you throw that in there early spring. They'll wax that up and they'll put drones in it. And the moment the drones are in there and capped, that's when you pull it out and you freeze it and you kill off all those drones. 
scrape off all those drones um, and feed them to your chickens after they've been frozen and killed off the mites in there too. What that does is the mites go to the male drones um, and they like being in with the drones because they actually are in cocoon longer and they can actually have an additional generation of mites be born and raised inside with those drones. So you can with with your drones you can get rid of about a third of your mites um, with the strips you can get rid of about a third of the mites and then you still need to do more stuff to get rid of the mites one of the things that people do is oxalic acid treatments and you can do that in the spring all of your treatments need to be done before your first flow and they need to be taken off the hive before your first flow because you don't want that pesticide that selective pesticide in the hive and have them tracking it around the hive putting it into the wax of the honey that you're going to be selling putting it in with the honey that you're selling you don't want that happening so you want to protect the people that you're going to be selling your honey to by having all of those treatments out of the hive and done by time the first flow happens and that takes some doing let me tell you all right Now, as soon as it hits plus 10, you're going to be feeding um, nectar and you're going to be feeding pollen patties. And another thing that some, some beekeepers feed, are, they're called grease patties. Those are the things that we're going to be talking about next podcast. They are going to be, um, I'm going to give you the uh, uh, recipes. So make sure that you guys have some recipe cards with you. <laughs> Write this stuff down um, because... You, you think you retain it in your brain and then when you go to make it you're like oh crap how many cups was that again and what were the other two ingredients so make sure you write it down all right and there i've had a rant gotten all upset and got through all the material <laughs> in 30 minutes thank you guys for listening i really appreciate it hopefully i didn't rant too much um there is one other thing that we need to make sure that we do during this period of time. Um, and that is um, we need to uh, even everything out. So once you've got your splits done, you go through your whole entire apiary and you go through and you say, okay, everybody's got two frames of brood. Everybody's got at least um, two frames of honey everybody has a feeder station on there everybody has and and you just make sure that everybody's even all the way throughout and this is when you go to those booming hives and you you take out some of their brood and you go share it with some of the hives that aren't doing so good because right now the bees have this tremendous energy to them and they are trying their darndest to get through the season and to succeed and they just have this tremendous energy and spirit about them so right now is the time to even them all out so they all have the best chance for success. And that is the last time you're going to do that for the season. No more doing that throughout the season. Okay, Even it out once and then however they grow is however they grow. If you have hives that are falling behind, you'll need to combine them. We'll talk about combining hives later, but essentially you put down a, a newspaper, 
that has no holes in it, put your queen excluder on top, put the box on top, the weaker box on top, cover it up, and then you're going to be letting the letting the two hives essentially combine and but still have two queens and hopefully with the extra heat and the extra bee power they're able to to get ahead so that's what you want to be doing equalizing out during this time so that being said thank you so much you guys for listening i want you guys to make sure that on the platform that you're listening to this on make sure you like and subscribe um, make sure that you are um, telling your friends about this beekeeping course that we're doing online. As far as I know, this is one of the only beekeeping courses that does the production technician course. Uh, it's taking us a long time to do because we're going through and we're also including several different things in between. Um, I happen to be one of those people that will start on something and then go and start on something else and I won't finish what I started on and then eventually I'll you know go through all of this other stuff and then I'll come back and I'll finish up what I started on so <laughs> I'm a bit scattered it made me a wonderful um, medic um, because with with paramedicine you end up needing to be scattered all over the place and getting everything done by the time you get to the hospital <laughs> um, but as a beekeeper um, being this flighty a lot of times is not that great. So I apologize for uh, throwing certain things in amongst the uh, certain beekeeping classes and extra little tidbits and thingy thingies in, in between our production beekeeper technician course. But uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get this through. We're doing a, a work with me type of idea with this class as well. So um, during... The seasons that we're working in, we're going to be describing what we're doing and uh, you guys can, can work in your own apiaries and get the things done that we're talking about. And we'll try and talk about it a little bit earlier before it happens and then probably, like we're doing now, go back through and recap and redo. Anyways guys, thank you and we'll, we'll talk with you all soon.